Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360. Jacob, make sure we're not talking over Clay Travis right now. Guys, welcome in. Outkick 360 is underway as we begin the Tuesday edition. David Reed making the show happen. Jacob Swanson is here as well. Lance Lee back with us tomorrow. Sarah Triplett is here. We are live. We are absolutely live on this Tuesday. Gentlemen, good morning. What a way to start the Tuesday show if we just completely invaded Clay Travis's broadcast. We were playing one of his of uh, commercials, um, one of his promos. Can you imagine when those it people... Was just in your ear. Oh, it was just in my ear. Just in your ear. Yeah, Everyone watching you. could not hear that. Yeah. So. Uh, just testing uh, you. It was like Claire, it was uh, not Claire, Clay whispering to my ear. Uh, not at all like Claire. Not at all like Claire. That's right. Yes. Can you imagine, uh, you know, the early days when viewers of this show that didn't really know us, that, that knew Clay and Outkick, got pissed if we weren't talking politics? On the show, can you imagine how pissed they would be if Clay was actually broadcasting something right now? And then all of a sudden, these sports guys came up. How dare you talk sports? What? We're talking about China right now and uh, Rush Limbaugh and all these other things. And you guys dare to come in and talk Julio Jones? Oh, we're going to talk a lot about that today. We we'll need to layers end to the pre-show a little earlier. I have trouble getting the link out because we go right oh. off the air into the thing. That's a good point. Should we start it a little earlier? Because it flies by. Yeah, we should start a little earlier and end it a little earlier. We have uh, what we call the warm-up on Instagram Live uh, every day, 10 minutes before we go live at noon Eastern across the Outkick Network, which includes the YouTube channel. We certainly appreciate all of you for subscribing there. Uh, new channel exclusive for Outkick 360 content. We hope you'll click the link, subscribe, hit the alert button, and much more. Uh, we have live content, but also exclusive content that we will post there, and you can get alerts whenever new Outkick 360 content is available. What day is this of the show? Sarah, do you know? 61. 61. Sarah, quick on the trigger right there. Love to hear that. Day 61 of the show, and it's going to be a big one. The Titans have restructured Ryan Tannehill's contract. That is no surprise. Paul has been pointing this out on the show for weeks that a simple restructure of the quarterback's contract would make enough room for a trade to acquire the deal of Julio Jones, who is set to make, Paul, I believe, $15.3 million guaranteed in 2021. It does not sound as though they're going to mess with his money at all. And as it stands right now, according to Ian Rappaport, who tweeted out the, the news about uh, Tannehill's restructure, he puts in there that Jones is scheduled to make the guaranteed money he was going to make in Atlanta. So this frees up about $9 million. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They needed about $9 million cap-wise. This frees up um, 15.6 from Tannehill's deal if it's the basic restructure, and it pushes $7.8 million 
cap accounting wise into 2022 and into 2023. Um, and it's neat and tidy. This is a move they've had in their back pocket available to them. They've been reluctant to make it um, for other reasons. They're making it for Julio Jones. And I think we all think that's reasonable. A lot of not a lot of people, but there's a segment of the population that thinks this somehow uh, creates doom and gloom in 22 and 23. First off, you can worry about 22 in 22. Cap is going up. And, uh, you know, there are moves to be made, extensions to be done, and, and things like that. You know, if well, you do a ton of this, you create problems for yourself. If you do a this, little though. bit of this, it's manageable. What, what type of risk, risk-reward, how do you balance that where... You, you restructure now, you kick the can down the road a bit, which we've seen other teams do. Atlanta's doing that with Matt Ryan. Well, they pay the price for it now. But Drew Brees that we saw window. that year after year in New Orleans where they're, they're going to have to pay the price for it financially as well. How much are the Titans doing that here to where two years from now, potentially fans, media, the team, they look back and think, oh, hindsight 2020, they should not have done this because it strapped them cap-wise moving forward. You're saying it's not all that much on the on the upcoming cap. They have a ton of dead money on the cap this year, for instance, that we haven't hit on quite a bit with the players that they've had to let go or well, guys who not, have left. Not a ton in the context of the, of the league, more than they've had. More than they, they've they're had. used to having no dead that, well, money because that, they've that managed them in a so situation well. like this is what I'm saying. So. Yes. Um, so, I mean, here's the thing. It's not just the 7.8 that you'll add the next two years for Ryan Tannehill, but it's an 11-plus base salary for Julio Jones that you weren't expecting to have, presuming that he plays the second and third year of this deal. So you're talking 11 plus 8, $19 million that you weren't planning on. But for that $19 million, you've added a premier wide receiver yes. that you're expecting big things from, and you're not going to have to deal with that. A.J. Brown's going to get an extension. Jeffrey Simmons in a year is going to presumably get an extension. These are things that good teams have to deal with and figure out how to manage it. John Robinson has had the luxury of not having cap strain and being a relatively young team, of not having a quarterback contract for the Marcus Mariota years and for the first Tannehill year of having a big quarterback cap number. He did well, quite frankly. His number one player, arguably Derrick Henry, is not a big uh, a, a big number. He managed to get him at a at a high running back rate, but not at the high running back rate that we've seen other running backs get, which tend to throw a team off course. So he managed that contract very well, and he also has deals he can get out of without leaving a lot of dead money behind right. for these guys. So look, it's it's stuff they have to figure out in the long haul. But I think what fans have wanted and what we've argued is you've got to find a way to go for it now. And they're finding a way to go for it now. And they've got enough flexibility to be able to still manipulate things next year and maintain the window. And this ability, Chad, to restructure the quarterback's contract to where, as Joel Corey, uh, former sports agent, now he works for CBS Sports, I believe, uh, he details it's a simple restructure uh, of 15.6 million. It drops his 24.5 million base salary to a little over one million dollars and converts the rest into a signing bonus. So he has 23 million in a signing bonus that's converted that way based on the restructure. Not every team has the luxury of doing this with their quarterback. 
and or doing it with just one contract on their team and being able to trade a second round pick in exchange for Julio Jones. Well, this is something that we've talked a lot about, but you know, it's it's easy to go down in the NFL and get up to 8 and 8 or be around 8 and 8 or 7 and 9. It's tough to get to the next step. The Titans have taken the next step going to 11 and 5, winning the division. The next step is playoff success like we saw a couple years ago where they made the run to the AFC Championship game. And here's my question for anyone that doubts this move or or talks about the complexities of the salary cap moving forward and when you eventually have to pay for doing something like that. Who cares? Because this is a move made to go win a Super Bowl in the next two or three years. That is what the Titans are saying with this move? this year. Yeah. Not two and three. But I'm saying this is a two or three year Let me say it with this. Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, they have two or three years. That's it. Where they're going to be, and Julio Jones, different career spot than Derrick Henry, but they're going to have two or three years where they're at optimum to 75%, let's say, of what they're going to be. I think this is something that you're making the move in order to secure your Super Bowl hopes in the next couple of years. If three years from now they start the reset and they start to pay the price and they take a dip, if it equals a Super Bowl, not one fan will care. I guess what I'm saying is let's worry about two or three years down the road when you get two or three years down the road. I'm not going to fault John Robinson for making taking a shot and but, going for it when he has the chance. But the Titans are in this position because they have been worried about two or three years down the road financially. They they were strapped for cash against this cap that was dropped like many teams. But they were in position because financially they they had a quarterback under a rookie contract. They end up trading for their backup quarterback that's now their franchise quarterback and they get him under a reasonable deal they signed Derrick Henry to a very reasonable contract that's really a two-year deal on a four-year contract if you look at the structure of the deal we said that whenever he signed that two-year deal expires after this season this is all in for right now they can say whatever they want to this move is about winning now in 2021 it's not about 2023 no and again, they're, they're not, again, there's a small segment that wants to make it like they really backed themselves. This is one restructure, one That's restructure right. and one addition. This is not what the Falcons have done with a bunch of guys. This is not uh, what the Saints had done with a bunch of guys. Titans aren't that far along in this process. And even if they get that far along in this process, I don't think that Atlanta should feel badly for having gone for it over a much longer period of time. But the Titans aren't there yet. I mean, if we want to talk in three years about them having done this and failed, that's a different conversation. But right now, they're at the very beginning of doing this. And I think this is John Robinson making an exception um, for a special guy, not starting a trend. Elite. And they're doing this with... uh two elite receivers, not just one, not trading for one. He, he now joins a receiving group that already has an elite receiver in number 11, A.J. Brown. We'll compare the two uh, coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour today. But hey, Julio one, and one AJ. thing that was always said about the Titans, with a lot of people and their fans, are they're cheap. They don't go for it. They're happy with 500. That's not the case with this regime. I think that's a good thing. I did an interview in Cleveland today. And the gist of the questions I was getting was, is this really going to work? You got, you, do you really think the Titans have made a smart decision here? Do you really think they're in a position to go for it? 
And my answer was always, yes. This is a move, I think, that would be applauded more if it wasn't the Tennessee Titans making it. If this was a team, if this was the Patriots going all in on someone at 32 years old, for instance, that could make them a Super Bowl contender. Again, if it was the Seahawks, name a number of teams that have won a Super Bowl in the last 10 to 15 years. I think it would be viewed differently. But my sense from the outside and doing this interview and talking to people in Cleveland, by the way, who cover the Browns, who they're not really in a position to talk about it that way, but the way they ask questions about it is, are we really supposed to believe this because it's the Tennessee Titans doing it? Well, they're asking questions because their franchise traded for a franchise wide receiver, and it has not worked out yet in one the way they thought it would. That's fair. And the, the recent teams haven't gone out and traded like this to go win a Super Bowl. Seattle traded away a pass rusher to Kansas City, and they went and won with Frank Clark. But, you know, they built their offense through the draft, and they re-signed their own players. I also the did Titans a, haven't been doing that. I also did a show in Cleveland yesterday that I've been on a couple times, had a good relationship with, and uh, the two guys were actually at odds over what they thought about, about the trade and what it did for the Titans. But the guy who was kind of taking the tone that your show took, Chad, uh, kind of posed that, and we were having a good time and laughing it up. And I said, as opposed to signing Jadavian Clowney to right. stand around, uh, interview interview kind of took a turn for the worse there and ended uh, ended pretty quickly. I was like, hey, you guys, let me know if you have the magical eyes to see the influence of that that we lacked down here. But uh, you know, I'd pin my hopes on Julio Jones a lot quicker than I'd pin him on Jadavian Clowney. And they said, well, "Oh well, we're not expecting pass rush for him." And I said, "Well, that, those are good expectations yeah. to have. <laughs> Set them low." <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, they're going to come back later, Paul, and tell you you just don't understand football if you don't see the value that Javian Clowney brings the Browns That's defense. Magic. Yeah. But the Browns feel like they're there. But I think the Browns. They are, are there. Are, I, I think there's five I teams think really that are in a that are in a similar group. KC, Baltimore, Browns, Titans, Bills. I'm looking at the AFC and I'm I'm seeing five teams that legitimately should feel like they should win it, or can win the can get the Super Bowl. Good playoff field. Who's yeah. home? Who who gets the bye? All of that. Yeah, and there's still two other teams that get in. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I you know I probably put Indy in that group just based on their franchise and success they've had. Tannehill's restructure opens up 15.3 in uh, space, or it allows the space of Julio Jones' contract to join the Titans roster. So everything's done there. We'll, we'll compare uh, A.J. Brown to Julio Jones coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour today. Uh, now that Jones has been traded, the discussion goes back to Aaron Rodgers and what the Green Bay Packers are going to end up doing. Paul, Peter King uh, suggested a compromise for both sides to work out their disagreement with whether or not Rodgers is going to play in 2021. Reports from Adam Schefter that he is not going to show up to the mandatory minicamp. We'll give He's thoughts on there. this. We'll He's give, not there. Okay, he did not. He did not. So we'll, we'll give thoughts on this. We'll, we'll go through what the Packers' recourse can be, and we'll get into what Mark, Mark Murphy, the, the team president and the CEO of the Green Bay Packers, wrote to his fan base about what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and the organization. That is all straight ahead right here on OutKick 360. Hang with us.
Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us on this Tuesday edition primary complaint tomorrow. And a quick reminder, you can email in your complaints, 360 at outkick.com. 360 at outkick.com is where you can join us. Uh, you can send in a video, 60-second video, uh, somewhere around a minute is what we're asking for there. You can also just record a, an audio bit, send that in. You can just email it in. And uh, Sarah will make a graphic for us that we can use for primary complaint. Again, tomorrow, 1145 Central, 1245 Eastern, right here across the Outkick Network. Um, Aaron Rodgers has not shown up to the mini camp for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers can fine him a little over $93,000 for missing the mandatory week of work, which is three, three days. Three days. Um, and then if he skips training camp, it goes up to $50,000 a day. Now, I say this week the Packers can fine him if they so choose. If he misses training camp, that is a mandatory fine. They, they don't get to choose whether or not to waive the fee, waive the fine. They, they can right now. They can't give it back if everything gets settled like you used to be able to do under the old CBA. This is Titans fans would know like Vic Beasley was 10 days late to training camp for the Titans last year. That cost him $500,000. There was no getting out of it once they smoothed things over to whatever degree they smoothed things over. Um, assuming that he misses all of this and all of training camp and just skips out on the season, he's losing out on upwards of $40 million if he chooses to not play for Green Bay. Uh, that, that's why I go back to, at some point, you just have your, your bottom line, this is the best offer, or the, the, the least amount we're going to take on any offer for him. And if we don't even get close to this, we just call his bluff and see if he'll actually sit out on the finances of, of what he's owed. And is that including the refund of uh, the, the signing bonus? You know, they can recall uh, some, some, some signing bonus. Yeah, the roster bonus. There's a, there's a, they can, they can recover 11 and a half million in a signing bonus. And then there's a 6 million and some change roster bonus yeah. on top of that so too. I, I, not only is it him not getting money, it's him writing them a check. Right, right. Not, not something guys like to do. Uh, you can imagine what it's like to write your boss back a check. Now, money. what's interesting is Peter King in his weekly column yesterday lays out a scenario where there's a compromise to play in 2021, knowing that Rodgers will be moved in 2022. But he, right after laying out this compromise, he says, I would bet, and the quote is, he believes Rodgers, at least for now, is, quote, solid on never playing for the Packers again, end quote, from Peter King in his column this week, on the eve of not showing up to minicamp work, which is mandatory across the league. There has to come a point in this where it just makes a lot more sense for the Packers to just try to get something in return. I mean, I like, in theory, the calling him on his bluff, but I'm uncomfortable if I'm an organization doing that with someone who's willing to pay these fines now, who, who remains steadfast in their lack of desire to be a part of your organization, that philosophically and culturally disagrees with how the organization is run. Yeah. I mean, at some point, I'm thinking, let's get a haul in return. Let, let's do something here. I'm, I'm, there has to come a point where the Packers just get more active in terms of reaching out and saying, okay, we're open for business now, and we're going to get serious about it because while 
yes, you look at it and say, why would you trade away the league MVP and a quarterback and someone who's clearly still capable of being the best quarterback in the NFL? You never trade that player away. But you also have to weigh that against this guy doesn't want to be here. He doesn't like us. He's going to sit out. And even if we're willing to risk the fact he's not going to sacrifice $40 million and sit out, I'm not comfortable going into a season with that as my plan to call someone on their bluff. So it's better to trade them now or at least start getting serious about conversations of what it would take to trade Aaron Rodgers. Do you have his base salary in that? Uh, $14.7 million. All right, so here's what I'm thinking just on the other side, a little bit devil's advocate here. If he sits out, you get that $14 million that pushes into next year, so that's very convenient money to yeah. send you shopping or whatever. Yep. He's still under contract next year. You still have his rights. You're still trading him next year. You still It's still picks for next year, so those aren't helping you now. this season. Right, you recoup that money, so you're getting cash in hand on the bonus and all of that. That helps you fiscally. You're getting that cap space next year that gets uh, held over, and um, so trading him now versus trading him later. Maybe there's a player or two coming, but you're probably playing this season with Jordan Love in in that scenario. You see what you've got. You have a better feel for what you need in the return in the trade that comes after this year where you still have his rights. It's not ideal. Neither scenario is ideal, but it's not ideal. But I don't know that you have to do it now as opposed to doing it later because the biggest trade chips are draft picks, and those draft picks aren't being put to fruition until after the second quote-unquote deadline anyway. Well, and teams have to be flexible with their roster and understand that you know, injuries can happen. Anything can happen. But I am hard-pressed if I'm an organization and I am, if I'm Gudenkist and I'm going into the season thinking, okay, here's what we're going to do as the Green Bay Packers this year. We are going to call Aaron Rodgers on his bluff and hope he shows up and hope that he's not going to sacrifice that money. That's a weird plan, right? Just cross our fingers and hope that Aaron will see the light and not, give, not sacrifice $40 million. That the sole reason you are going to call someone on their bluff is because they won't sacrifice the money for your star player is a weird plan. And so if I'm trying to get out ahead of things, I eventually have to throw my hands up and say, this guy doesn't want to be here. He hates me. He doesn't like the organization. He may be okay with the coach. But if I'm not getting fired, I need to be proactive on a plan. I was the one who was proactive on a plan to trade up and draft Jordan Love. So if you can do that, Let's get the ball rolling downhill on Jordan Love being the starter. Let's go get some assets in return, and let's rock and roll. But the assets in return, again, I think player-wise be minor. And I think you're going to get a better deal for Draft him. Draft-wise. You're going to get a better deal for him in the spring when a team's going to say, we need Aaron Rodgers, we could build this whole thing around Aaron Rodgers, we could take on the 14 or the whatever much more a, easily than we could take it on Another now. team would make a final decision you, on moving on. You're going with the, he's definitely going to play this year for the Packers. Oh, I, I'm saying you can, you can either one. force the issue. Either you come here or we're not allowing you to play. If you don't come here, we'll just trade you after this season and we'll get a better return because somebody will be ready to restart their organization around they, you as opposed to now when they've made a quarterback plan and a cap plan. So you're just putting your franchise in purgatory for a season. 
Well, so you're in purgatory. If he doesn't show up, you're in purgatory but anyway. If you trade him, you're in purgatory but anyway. You, but if you trade him, I don't think you're in purgatory. I think you were saying this is the direction of our franchise. We drafted Jordan Love. This is what's so well, odd if he doesn't about show this up, whole story. If he, if he doesn't Why are show they up, so reluctant? Why are they so reluctant to start things with Jordan Love? Because they're with Aaron Rodgers, they can win a Super Bowl this year. But if it, but if he's your future and Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be there, I mean, you're going to hold him hostage. But it's yeah, it's the same thing. If you deal him or you hold him hostage, your team on the field is the same. Yep. And they they feel as though look, Aaron Rodgers pointed this out in his interview with Kenny Mayne. He did something they did not expect him to do, which is go win MVP, be the best quarterback in the league, and be on the footstep of going to the Super Bowl. In a game where, I mean, if ands, and buts, right? But they, they should have won that game against Tampa Bay and did not. And it wasn't because of him that they didn't. Right. And, you know, they're, they're talking field goal over going for it, that type thing. So with all of that information, Rodgers is saying, look, I, I put them in a, a situation where they – they have to turn back to me, and they know it, and I know that they're moving on a year from now, so move me now, because you drafted Jordan Love a year ago, and you knew I wasn't happy about it. Now, what is the compromise that, that Peter King is laying out that he thinks could work, even though there would be wallpaper on, you know, in the backdrop of the entire season well, of what the situation is? Uh, you know, it's, is it a distraction? Yeah, but what he proposes and how it would work is Rodgers would talk about it one time and the Packers would talk about it one time and say, hey, I'm playing this season as if my contract's expiring and I'm a free agent next year almost. They're going to trade me to a team I want to be traded to. We're talking about it this one time. And then it's all about we're, the we're, 2021 and Packers and we're going to go win a Super Bowl. My swan song here is going to be that we're going to go win a Super Bowl for Titletown, and and I'm going to exit in a, with a parade through uh, that ends at Lambeau Field through Green Bay, and it's going to be glorious. And then I'm going to move on, and this is the last we're talking about it. And then you know people will will, will sputter out of trying to ask questions because they won't they won't touch it. And so you could write whatever you want, and we could talk about whatever we want, but there's going to be nothing that comes of it from anybody because nobody's going to address it. Is there a chance that Aaron Rodgers... I don't think that's going to happen, by the way. Is there, is there I mean, a chance that Aaron Rodgers went to these extremes because he wanted to have communication going into this draft in the process, and they said no? No. And not only was he surprised with a Jordan Love pick a year ago, but all of this coming out around draft time... I'm just, no, the I'm, initial report was was that he was told that the Packers told him they were going to trade him, and then decided not to, and then that's why he came out publicly, or he did. Well, he did. The, come the out news publicly. was out publicly on draft day that he wanted to be traded. I'm just I'm trying to think of any way that you could logically and rationally get through this and have him happy in playing this year, or trade him on both sides. Is there not a way that the Packers could come to Aaron Rodgers and say, Aaron? We screwed it up. We should have told you about Jordan Love. What can we do now to make you happy? Do you want us to draft a receiver uh, I think in he, the first round? I mean, is there not some other solution? I think he has. He has it's fire the GM. Yes. Yes. But I'm, so then He's we're, insinuated I, Then that. we're coming right back to the big dilemma I'm talking about. It's who's more important to the Packers? Is it precedent that you don't want to set with a player getting a, a GM fired? It's definitely not Brian Gutenkist. I'm sorry. Head-to-head, it is Aaron Rodgers. If you're going to win a Super Bowl this year, it's going to be because of Aaron Rodgers. Dude, and don't the ask for them to fire him. It would be the worst thing that could happen for the league in a domino effect. Uh, but I, ask him I, for yeah. him to become the NBA. And I'm not yep. talking about the league. I'm talking about what's best for the Packers right now and their fans. So here, 
uh, Packers president Mark Murphy uh, writes a letter at the team website every month to the fan base and, quite frankly, to part of the ownership and says, quote, in this letter, quote, the situation we face with Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base. The emails and letters that I've received reflect this fact. As I wrote here last month, we remain committed to resolving things with Aaron, and I want him to be our quarterback in 2021 and beyond. We are working to resolve the situation and realize that less that the less both sides say publicly, the better. Was that in, <laughs> was that in a letter he wrote? Because he said the yeah. same thing about dividing the fan base in like a mailbag thing that he does at their site, and this it was is, unsolicited. It wasn't yeah, this really is the letter in response. That, well, they post this at their website. Okay, because it wasn't really in response to what he was answering. He, he kind of flew on a tangent and offered it uh, unsolicited. It's a monthly column that he writes. Yeah. It wasn't solicited in, in uh, it looked like it was answering fans' questions. But so, and this was not a question that he was asked. He just went there. You know, I, I'm, I'm going through and trying to decipher what Aaron Rodgers said and what, more importantly, what he didn't say in the Kenny Main interview, which is the last time we've heard from him. I'm doing the same thing in this, in, in this response from, from Murphy, who, where he says, as I wrote here last month, we remain committed to resolving things with Aaron. We want him to be our quarterback in 2021 and beyond. So is the compromise not nothing more than just a new contract where you, you extend him, you give him a ton more money, and you move forward? And that, that's not a Gutenkust firing. That's a Jordan Love admission to mistake. And yeah, you deal you, Jordan okay, Love. Okay, in doing yeah. that, though, then you just drafted Isaiah Wilson, who's never going to contribute to oh, your franchise. Worse than that. Worse than that. Because you traded up to draft the first round. You traded up to draft, your, up, round, traded up to draft your future franchise quarterback. Who's never going to play for you. And then never, he never took a snap. Because you're not taking his fifth-year option. That's better so than not having deal. Aaron Rodgers. You should deal love right now for whatever you could, could get. Or not right now, but uh, immediately after the season. But you can't even deal him for immediately after the yeah, season because it. somebody would have to exercise his, his third-year option. So right now, what are you going to get from him? You're going to get a, a sixth for somebody to right. dip their toe in the water on him. Right, and, and that's why... It's a wasted pick. It's, it's not as bad as Isaiah Wilson in that the guy wants to play football. <laughs> or, or, yeah, well, that's it's not true. his fault. He, he, he's not doing anything bad. Yeah, well, Chad, to your point, it, it, it's not as bad uh, because I, it's... It was a dumb pick, but the guy is interested yeah. in football. No, I, I, no, trust me. It's not Isaiah. You know, the guy's not trying to sort of rap career that we know of right now, so that, that's better. I'm just really torn with all this because I'm with you, Paul. I don't want the NFL to become the NBA Yeah, with players completely running the league but if you're Aaron Rodgers you might be smarter than your front office I mean there is some validity to the fact that they made a really dumb decision we can all sit there and say that now and if you are I've talked about this with the Tennessee Vols fan base and people making decisions Tennessee fans sat around for years saying I wouldn't do something this dumb (laughs) but yet the people that are making decisions are punishing their us our own program time and time again. So there does need to be some recourse if you're Aaron Rodgers saying, I probably know more about this team and personnel than you. And if you're going to put us behind the eight ball and make it more difficult for me and for my teammates to win a Super Bowl, I'm going to do something about it. I'm not just going to sit back and say, oh, well, you know, that's Brian. That's Brian making his decision on that. I mean, I, I do think there has to be some level of balance with a player of his caliber. We're not talking about a whole league revolt here. I also How think many players could pull this? Deshaun Watson, before all the allegations, 
Um, a handful. You know, Russell Wilson. The quarterbacks. Right. But if one but, of those not handful, just all the quarterbacks. Right. We're talking seven or eight But if one of those seven or eight gets it, then it becomes 10 or 12. Then it, it, it's, it's, it starts it's to fall. It's more than seven or eight, though. Because I'm going to pull a line from you, though, Paul, that you use a lot. Then don't be dumb. Well, it's more than then seven don't or eight. Screw up it's more than seven or eight quarterbacks, this. though, because even if the if you're not in the the elite status to make decisions, right, to be in the know on what you need, you still have the investment of the franchise behind you. So it's not like there, there are twenty quarterbacks who have the full investment of their franchise right now behind them. That everything's riding on them and staying Trevor healthy, Lawrence upright, this and power. Uh, yes, yeah, yes. Without having taken a snap. Here's the other thing. I think but if Trevor Lawrence came back and said, you know, a year in the league or not even playing a game and was saying, I know more than Urban Meyer and people making decisions on personnel than them. I'm pissed off. I'm sitting out this year. We would all rightfully say, you're an idiot. He would get crushed. Go play. Yeah. Right. When it's Aaron Rodgers saying this, who's worked under different G, a different GM, who's been with the organization that long, there is some credence and has the resume coming in and saying I wouldn't yeah. be saying this about anyone. I don't want this to get out of hand because, I, Paul, I'll be sitting right there with you if it was – if Ryan Tannehill did this, I, I would come back and say, Ryan Tannehill's been great. I can find a guy that can be efficient with a play-action offense with Derrick Henry. See ya if I'm John Robinson and Ryan Tannehill try to play a power play like this. This is Aaron Rodgers, who I believe may be smarter than the GM. If I'm not saying mistaken. This. And if you're seeing a guy dumber than you make bad decisions – and you're Aaron Rodgers, who's way more responsible for any success the Packers have had since he's been drafted than this guy, I can see him being a little pissed off and wanting to play a, a power play. If and I'm not mistaken, Rodgers had a dog in the fight when Ted Thompson was being replaced, and it wasn't Gutenkust. So I think this dates back to before the Roger, uh, before the love pick and trade that he wasn't really happy with Green Bay's selection of the new GM, that he liked somebody better that was a candidate. And, you know, they had a lot of guys in the front office who were in the mix there. Russ Ball is a more of a cap guy. He wasn't the personnel guy. But as they were sorting through what was going on there, if I remember correctly what I've read at Stuff Looking Back at that, this isn't what Rodgers wanted to happen. It may date back to that, that he had a chip in his shoulder that – that his input wasn't taken seriously, or that he just thought that they made the wrong choice. And then when he went and made this trade, it kind of confirmed his stance. But this dates back to prior to the trade, which only exacerbated it. Yes. And does that sound right? Yes, it does. And think about the, the mentality and the mindset of two opposing locker rooms right now. And, and let me add in the example I'm going to use, the, the, the negative side of the locker room kicked uh, just Mopped the, mopped the field with the Tennessee Titans last year. I mean, destroyed them on Sunday night football. Um, but imagine being a player in the Titans locker room today and the investment. Imagine being Ryan Tannehill and what he's thinking about the investment being made around him. And now Aaron Rodgers and the investment that's been made in the last decade around the franchise quarterback and the MVP there. You know, there, there's a completely different reaction there. It's funny, and we haven't touched on this, and, and we should have. Uh, I'm glad I'm thinking of it now. Tom Brady, outside of the Randy Moss trade, consistently through the years. Now, it's not like the Patriots haven't tried, but what's the Patriots' track record at wide receiver for arguably the greatest quarterback of all time? Failure after failure. Jacoby Meyer. I mean, Julian Edelman, the guy they did find for him, was a, was a quarter. Edelman quarterback. and Wes Welker were really good. Right. But and not, Randy Moss. 
won a Super Bowl. All right. Well, there's three, though, we're talking about in, uh, in a long, long stretch. And Rodgers has had some good wide receivers, but they failed to provide for him. And the Patriots have failed for a long time to provide, particularly at the end, Tom Brady's wide receivers, the team that we saw the Titans beat to kind of end the, the dynasty in Tom Brady's last game where Logan Ryan picked off his last pass in the playoff game. The complaint there for a long time was they didn't give him wide receivers. Well, so, so I'm not saying I'm, I'm just saying that Aaron Rodgers is hardly alone as a top quarterback who wasn't provided wide receivers well, yes, and who Adam. was counted on. Right, and he's got a, a one killer wide receiver. Yeah. So it's not as if he's a, a singular figure in NFL history as a good quarterback who didn't have him. In a lot of ways, Peyton Manning was the exception of his era who got Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison and, and, uh, and, and Austin Collie and, and good, good guys who mm-hmm. stepped up his game at the expense of other positions. And the Packers and the Patriots actually went the other direction. Said, we've got the quarterback. The receivers are are good enough to make it work, and we can invest in other areas. That's also also a tip of the cap, in a way, to how good the quarterback is. Anybody could be good with him. Right. He's going to elevate the play of everyone around him. And and for years, we said that in Tennessee. Like, uh, they failed at receiver consistently. It's a 20-year problem here before A.J. Brown in a lot of ways. A couple exceptions. You know, Nate Washington, Derek Mason a long time ago. Uh, Justin McCarron's was good for a while. And we said they suck at finding receiver talent. But we also said a quarterback is allowed to elevate a wide mm-hmm. receiver once in a while. We also saw that never happen. Yeah. Well, we see that with Rodgers and Brady and the, and the great, great quarterback. Yes. But I'm going to go back to 2010 with the Patriots. And it's not just about receiver with Aaron Rodgers. It's a lack of offensive investment in the draft a lot of times. And that, the stat is out there about not taking a first-round receiver since – in 11 years. And yeah. they've built them pretty good offensive line. I'll go 2010 Patriots. They got Rob Gronkowski in the second round. The next year they drafted Nate Solder in the first round. Um, you move along. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, a second round pick, was their backup, you know, maybe eventual replacement that never worked out for them. But, I mean, uh, Sony Michelle, Nikhil Harry, Isaiah Wynn in the first round. Isaiah Wynn, Sony Michelle, both first round picks, both <laughs> offensive guys. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're Aaron Rodgers and pointing to Green Bay's track record, you can't even point to a single year where you had that level of investment. Give me uh, what you think is going to be a star running back and a great piece on the offensive line, both in the first round. The Packers would have used both those picks on defense. Yeah, they, they draft a ton that's, of defense. That would have been the way they would have gone about it, and that's where Aaron Rodgers gets a little more frustrated than Tom Brady in New England. Yeah, you have to go all the way back to 2011 to see them do a lot on offense. Derek Sherrod, a tackle, Randall Cobb, Alex Green, a running back, top three picks. They don't spend the top of their draft on offense hardly ever. Eddie Lacy was a second rounder in 2013. I'm not trying to insinuate that every draft should be focused around the quarterback here. You know where I'm going. More than they do. I'm I'm comparing the mindsets and the mentality of where the direction that you're headed as a franchise. And as the mini camps go on this week, think about what Tannehill and the Titans offense and the momentum they have versus what's going on in Green Bay. Did Devontae Adams show up today? Because he was not there for for OTAs. Well, there was a big uh, tweet about guys not showing up. I think like Preston Smith. There are some in COVID protocol. Yeah. In Green Bay. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, But I I didn't see uh, Adams on that list. So I don't know for sure. Uh, Coming up, we'll continue this discussion. Plus, Nick Saban 
and his contract being extended, which is a, it's a lifetime contract. Uh, we, it already was, you could say, at, at Alabama. But now uh, we'll go into the details of the Alabama head coach. And, I mean, can we, we could even make the argument whatever they're paying him is not enough. Well, based did, on what they're doing. Did they extend Prima Nocta in the state of Alabama I, like the last contract? We need to discuss that. Plus, there's a Titans tie-in to Saban uh, with the news of the week. That's all straight ahead. Uh, first, though, MyDrHank.com. Look, erectile dysfunction, it affects over half of all men, but it doesn't have to make you feel like half of a man. Since 2017, My Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. My Dr. Hank helps you get low-cost ED meds, and overcome the psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatment, and they secure your prescription, then ship it to you discreetly every month from USA Pharmacies for as low as $2 a pill. And Paul, what a deal we have. 50% off your first go-round here, your first subscription order. If you go to mydrhank.com outkick, I love a big discount. This is better than what Hutton gets on his cricket shirt. <laughs> this is better than whatever deal Chad finagles for whatever he loves, what he had with his previous sponsor, whose shirts he's still wearing. <laughs> 50% off. It's free, baby. It's free. This is 50% off, not free, but it's also not being shipped to you from Asia. It's coming from a U.S. pharmacy, that's as you mentioned. That's a good that's, point. That's important. It's nice when you see something being delivered from the United States. MyDrHank.com slash OutKick for the 50% off offer. MyDrHank.com slash OutKick. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. It is time for the 360 Daily Parlay. And it's on Chad Withrow today. We just like the FanDuel.com, the daily parlay. FanDuel.com is the app we use. It's been updated overnight. It's very slick if you haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it today, check it out. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Chad, give us a winner. Look, this is a, a meritocracy of a show in that you win or you lose. thing about this parlay is when you lose, you continue to pass it on. So we're both a meritocracy and we just like to spread the wealth. So we continue day after day to just pass along to the next person until we win. That win and the halt of this losing streak will come tonight with this parlay. We are going to one NBA game tonight. We are going to Teresa Kuharski's Philadelphia yes. 76ers. Yes. They will not fall down 0-2 to the pesky Atlanta Hawks, who have been great in this playoffs, at home tonight. Minus 6.5, Sixers minus 6.5. And they're going to score a bunch of points on both sides. Take the over 224 two-leg parlay. It's going to pay off $13.18. That is where we are going tonight. Sixers minus 6.5 and, and the over 224. Go Sixers. I love that. How do we feel about it? I love it. I like it that it gives us one terrible, thing to watch. I feel terrible. <laughs> but we can all unite around the television close to the end of that game. Good call. It's a fourth-quarter sport, as Hutton said, really a last five-minute sport. We can all tune into the fourth quarter if it's close, either way, and really invest in the Sixers tonight. I'm all about the Hawks. Really? <laughs> I really am. I'm all in on that. Uh, it's crazy that they nearly gave up that massive lead in game one. I know. And, and the way that the 76ers came back in that game, if they have that same offensive firepower, they're hitting the over tonight. In, in the, we need Atlanta to score as well in this for the, yes, for the over do. total. Six is Paul, a nice, you can root for Trey Young. Yeah. Root for Trey Young yeah. to score all he wants six tonight. Six is a yeah. nice number. And then a I, nice bet, uh, I haven't looked at Trey Young's uh, over under. It was 30 the other night, and uh, I won on that. 
Well, the only yeah. thing that's going to really bother me about this is I thought long and hard about just doing money line because of the six. Mm. And if the Sixers win by five and we lose the parlay and they score a ton of points both sides, that's what's going to bother no, me. I think it's but good. as we've seen with our parlays lately, it's not even close. We typically lose all legs of the parlay. So Last night, it about. didn't take me long. This stuff was early, over early. Yep. So if, that, if you're already a user, that's our advice for tonight's parlay if you want to follow along the $5 parlay. For new users, a new offer for you to get involved UFC this weekend. New users, log on to FanDuel.com slash OK360, and you bet $5 to win 150 on the UFC. 30 to 1 odds is what that equates to on either Israel Adesanya or Marvin Vittori to win on Saturday at UFC 263. The max bet is $5. You win $150. It's open until the fight starts on Saturday evening. Adesanya, by the way, is a minus 275 favorite. He won their previous fight by a split decision. You can bet Adesanya at 30 to 1 odds as a new user. FanDuel.com slash OK360. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Make an initial deposit of $10 when you sign up and then opt in as a new user for 30 to 1 odds at UFC 263 on Adesanya Vittori. Was that Bruce Buffer that was on that the That is Bruce Buffer. Okay. I was making sure I got the buffer right. That was Bruce. Yes. Good, good to know. And he is excellent. Also excellent is Adesanya's nickname, the last style bender. That's because he guy. says he is he is part reality, part fantasy. That's his I mean, all these guys come in with a nickname and that one has stuck. And when you watch him fight, it's he he it's like a movie character. It's a little long. The style bender, last style bender. It's based on a movie. Chad's probably seen it and loved it. Yeah, the last yeah. Airbender. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how good was it? Haven't seen it. <laughs> wow. I don't. I don't. Uh, oh, hasn't seen it, but knew well, it. Well, we know it. what he's watching it. tonight until the last five minutes uh, of Sixers and Hawks. <laughs> I I am watching a show right now called Mythic Quest on Apple Plus. That's, it's a bad title. It's terrific. I don't it know. Sounds I, like a I'm intrigued cheesy, by the title. It's uh, right, that's the point. It's yeah. a che- It's it's Fortnite. It's basically a take on Fortnite. It's all the people that operate this huge interactive video game. It's it's Silicon Valley. I love it's Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley in the Office. You know, it's got more of an edge than the Office because it's on Apple Plus. But it's a very Silicon Valley dynamic to the characters. It's You've really done good. a lot of work for Apple Plus. I think you should get a free year. I'm working on that. Well, hey, I got a free year with I'm, my. I'm wearing shirts that were given to me. I'll, I'll take a free subscription to something. What did also. I get the free year for Apple Plus? Probably when I renewed my uh, Verizon. Yeah. Or bought a new. Verizon. We don't have to worry about me renewing a phone anytime soon. As we know, I'll hold on to the iPhone. This is like a five, five S. Did I, think I tell you about six? Simon's phone? No. Simon, on the night that we were going to the Predators game six, the last game, he came into my office and he said, Dad, I really want us to have the fun boys night that we've been planning on. I, I really hope this doesn't change what we've got planned. And I was like, hey, please, don't be, please don't be mad. And I'm like, what is it? And he pulled out his phone. He's got an SE, you know, which is like a very mild phone shattered screen and i said buddy i you've you have been very careful with that phone you earned it through a deal that we made i i am not upset because like you gotta get and, him a, a something to protect he had yeah he just you know if you you can land it bad no matter what you've got i, I, I will throw a, this thing i don't have a off of jason swanson right now <laughs> and then through that wall like a, and it will not it's like a this, cheap pair of sunglasses this otter case right here this thing is not going to 
There's nothing I can do to Shattered. this to break. Sure enough, we Shattered. didn't, didn't have it. <laughs> didn't have uh, didn't have insurance. We went to one of those like you break it, we fix it places. It cost a hundred and nine bucks. So Nick Saban's nice. contract has been extended, as Paul said on Twitter. Uh, that's a parlay that you could get behind uh, for life. Is uh, the parlay of Nick Saban coaching until he wants to retire? Uh, and that's exactly what's going to happen in Alabama. He's going, what, just finished his 15th season, or he's entering his 15th season. He's 69 years old, and he out. signed an extension. There's no way to get him out, Paul. Get him out. He should not be out. Him out. Uh, he should be paid more. I don't even know his annual salary anymore, and he's not paid enough for what he's doing for Alabama and the profile of that program. Tired of him. They are 21-2 and two against top 10 opponents uh, ranked in the AP. They have been ranked number one in the AP poll at least for one week for 13 straight years. And... That broke the record of seven established by the Miami Hurricanes back in the 80s. They've done it for 13 straight years to Miami's seven. Uh, seven SEC championships, six national titles, and you know, going for a seventh, going for an eighth, as many as he wants to try to go for uh, until he wants to retire uh, as the Crimson Tide head coach. There's just So he'll be 77 at mm-hmm. the completion of this contract. The remarkable thing is there's just zero slippage. There's not even a sign of a crack in the armor of Nick Saban. Whoever becomes a coordinator and leaves, Steve Sarkeesian's the latest offensive coordinator, now the head coach of Texas, they just continue to churn right through. Oh, Steve Sarkeesian leaves? I'll go hire Bill O'Brien to be the offensive coordinator. There's no drop-off as long as he is there. I I have said it repeatedly. I don't want to be morbid about it, but Alabama is going nowhere until Nick Saban dies. This is a lifetime contract. I do not see him retiring and doing anything else. I think he is a coaching lifer that's going to be there until his last breath. And until his last breath, Alabama will be dominant. He will not allow it to slip. I, I know. Incredible. I mean, I obviously can't stand the man. And he's, he's, he's been great for Alabama, and he's been great for college football. But he, I think he's also been bad for college football in one sense in that everybody wants to copy the most successful guy, obviously. And, and that's how you get good at things, is if you, you can have any modicum of success copying the best guy, then you, know, you have a chance to be the second best guy, at least. But the path to being the best guy is to be an absolute control freak. And I don't think it's good for the sport to have everybody trying to be, any, good for the sport, good for any sport, good for any business, to have the CEOs of all of these things thinking that you have to be an absolute control freak in order to have success. It is amazing to me how, and maybe he gets so much credit in other areas, he doesn't need more credit in lesser areas. But I don't hear enough talk about his willingness to adapt to the style of college football and how he has gone from defensive head coach to now offensive head coach. I mean, they're putting up 70 a game now instead of 20. And the style of play that is required to beat Alabama is more about can you put up 70 than can you hold the Crimson Tide to 23 and win by a field goal. I will say, it was just a couple of years ago, I was saying, look, he's done it consistently. I would love to see him do it with an NFL first-round yeah. caliber quarterback. No, he's doing and lo and behold, we've had back-to-back yeah. NFL first-round caliber quarterbacks. So I respect the hell out of that uh, with Tua coming in and now Mac Jones. And I, I want to see those guys. And Jalen Hurts prior to that? Yeah. 
I, I, I'm not dying for them to have NFL success, but I appreciate now that yeah. you're not seeing I know purely saying. college quarterbacks lead Alabama to, to national championships with no chance of being legitimate NFL quarterback. Well, and, Paul, you said it's not good to have a guy who's such a control freak, and he is, but he's a control freak that does adapt. He's changed his style, changed the management structure. Not really the management structure. He's got a set system in place, but how he goes about having success has changed. And I do think that Dabo Sweeney has shown there's a different way to go about it. You don't have to have Nick Saban's personality and you can still dominate at the highest levels of college football. I think Urban Meyer and his dominance at Ohio State, and probably Ryan Day a little bit like Urban Meyer too, is very Nick Saban-esque in their approach, in their life-or-death yeah. take on football. Dabo Sweeney's different, but Dabo Sweeney, we also don't talk enough about how much of a control freak that guy is. Yeah, Because he has set up a system where, and it's great for Clemson, where they only offer guys who commit. And then if you commit, you can't take a visit. I mean, it's like they keep you hostage. Like, they are so family-oriented that when they make an offer, there's a good chance that they're going to be in the final two for that player. And you feel so honored to have a Clemson offer that when you commit, they will cut you if you go and take a visit somewhere else. No one else in college football, even Alabama, does that or has the power to do that. So there are some control I'll be interested to see if they cut Arch Manning when he takes another Right. Yeah, there are some control. Well, it's not. I mean, it's it's if he committed. Arch Manning, I do think, if he's the type of guy, when he commits, he'll probably be going to that school. But he's starting with Clemson, or did. Yeah. That's one that's going to be crazy to follow. Yeah. The Athletic did a huge piece, an interview with Arch Manning on what's to come. But that whole recruitment. Yeah. I mean, Peyton Manning in 1994 (laughs) – was a big deal, and and this is going to be way bigger uh, with all the stakes. And really, the interesting part of this, the stakes for LSU. I mean, it is a weird dynamic that all the Manning family from New Orleans lives in New Orleans. None of them played at LSU. They all went uh, Ole Miss, Tennessee. I mean, go down the list. If they can't land Arch Manning, which Ed Ogeron has made that his purpose in life, to get Arch Manning to stay in the state and play at LSU – that's that's an odd dynamic in that state, and it's one that has Tiger fans scratching their head. And Ed I mean, O how can is we not land one a man? top five paid head coach. Did Peyton right, or Eli seriously consider LSU? Peyton uh, crossed LSU off the list when Josh Booty committed, who was another five-star quarterback yeah. from the state. So then he moved on. He was really down to Tennessee and Florida and Steve Spurrier more than anything else. Um, I don't think Eli – Eli loved Texas and Mac Brown. And reading that story got into their recruitment. I think his final two were Ole Miss or Texas. And uh, I, th- I think the offense at the time was the reason Eli didn't want to go there. And Cooper was just following in the steps of his dad. And he was a you know, lightly regarded wide receiver coming out of high school that went on. I mean, he was a good player. But that's why he went to Ole Miss was to follow in the footsteps of Archie. Part of the Titans' decision on Julio Jones involved Nick Saban. Just to tie this all together, we'll start there with the Tennessee Power Hour next on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.